and welcome to the Year of Joyce series, in which I talk to experts on special powers, which we call Joyce superpowers, which each and every one of us can use to cultivate and bring more joy into our lives. I'm Andrew Cannon, and I have the honour to be your host. And in this episode, I'm excited to be talking with Denise Solar-Cox about the joy superpower of belonging and community. After going from a stay-at-home mum to award-winning activist filmmaker, top 100 podcaster and sought-after Fortune 500 speaker, Denise uses her experience to teach people about culture, identity and really what it means to belong. In September 2020, Denise was recognised as a featured host by Apple Podcasts North America for her podcast, The South Ish Latina, which has listeners in 32 countries. Denise has been invited to speak on over 300 stages, including two TEDx talks, and has worked with some of the world's most recognized brands. Her work has been published as a contributor to Huffington Post, and Denise has been featured on NBC Nightly News, MSNBC, CNN, Forbes, Chicago Tribune, and many others. Denise is currently working on her forthcoming book about belonging. Welcome to the show, Denise. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's fantastic. Fantastic. So you're working on a book which we love, and it's about belonging. And belonging, as you know, is one of our four core ingredients of joy alongside well-being, positive impact, and fun. So it's really, really close to our hearts. Tell us a bit about the book. Where's the inspiration? When's it going to be published? Yeah, so thanks for asking about my book. Uh, first of all, it's something I don't get a chance to talk about as much, and so I'm excited to talk about it. Um, so the book is really inspired from countless conversations with people after they saw my film. So I had a film come out several years ago, and the film is about you know, in hindsight, looking at it now, the film is about belonging. But when I made it, I wanted a film to validate a lived experience of the Latino diaspora, which was a very specific story. And it also happened to be my story. And as time went on, the film has been out now for seven years. The consistent thread of the conversations that I would have with, pe with people after the film were always around belonging and very specific areas of belonging. And so the book is inspired by those conversations and very specifically the secrets that we keep and how that prevents us from experiencing belonging in our lives. So for example, the secret, the secrets that we keep about our relationships, our familiar relationships, the secrets that we keep around how we feel about our bodies or things that have happened to our bodies, the secrets that we keep about our success, our money, Etc. And so it's sort of divided into different chapters, um, and it's meant to evoke a sense of acknowledgement that this is something that human beings do, and that a it's okay, you're normal, and here's a way out of that if you feel ready. That's amazing. I've never actually made that direct connection between keeping secrets preventing that sense of community which is now when you say it's so blindingly obvious but it's not something perhaps many people think about uh, as they're going about their daily lives holding these secrets inside them you know I know how it affects you personally when you do that and it can have a negative impact on you your well-being but to see that also has this impact on belonging is fascinating 
Yeah. And honestly, I wouldn't have made the connection myself were it not for so many people consistently telling me their own version of the same of the same thing, which is I don't feel like I'm a part of this. And then they would tell me a secret and they would say, if I if it weren't for this, I would feel X. And since belonging is a feeling and secrets are something that we hold, then, you know, that it was so understandable to me that if they only felt a sense of um, like they had an outlet to deal with the secret, a lot of times people would share the secret for the first time with me. And so all I could do was say, um, you know, thanks for sharing it. Uh, and is there someone that you can talk to about this that can help you through? Because I'm not a professional, but I was able uh, to direct them to speak to mental health professionals about um, about getting help and and having a chance to sort of release and surrender the secret to someone else that could help them walk walk through a path of feeling whole again, so that they could mm. feel connected to themselves and connected to the communities that they wanted to be connected to. Yeah, and I suppose that ties in a lot to self love and this being able to forgive oneself. Um, yes. Uh, having these these things that you're keeping a secret so ties into a lot of other areas of, of joy that we know are yes. super important for that so when's the book going to be available do you know is it still well, in the workings it's still in the works and so I was actually just speaking with someone the other day about it and I said you know I feel like the book's not going to be out until 24 or even 25. So, um, you know, if I'm lucky, it will come out at the end of 24 and perhaps at the beginning of 25, which is kind of crazy. But, uh, you know, traditional book publishing takes a very long time. So, um, yeah. And the speed of time that we're traveling at these days, that will soon be upon us as well. So. I mean, really, right? Like, it feels like an eternity, but uh, but yeah, it'll be here before you know it. And we'll be talking about it then, hopefully. <laughs> okay. we'll do that again, for sure. But let's, let's deep dive a bit into belonging and, and specifically into the area of belonging to a community, because we know you can belong to a family, you can belong to friends, you can belong at work. And, and, and broadly speaking, this sense of community. And maybe you could start with telling your own lived experience of living with or, or without a sense of community and maybe how that's changed over the years. Yeah. So it's, I mean, so it's interesting to quote unquote, belong to a community and then not experience or feel belonging within that community. And that was something I became very obsessed with in my late twenties. I had gone out to a bar with a bunch of friends and it was like nothing special. There was no, no celebrations. It was just like any other night hanging out with friends the one thing that was different and special about that night was that we were all first generation something. So uh, first generation American with a parent from a Spanish speaking country. And we were joking around and laughing. And one of my jokes is that we were making fun of our parents' accents because that's what first gens do a lot of times that a lot of people don't know about. <laughs> and the conversation went from being silly and sort of teasing um, to something substantive and something that changed the trajectory of my life. And that was when someone said, do you ever feel like you're not Latino enough? Or like when you go back to Puerto Rico, which is where my family's from, you don't feel Puerto Rican enough or like you belong there. And it started the most profound conversation about my identity that I'd ever had up until that point. 
And so even though I was, you know, Puerto Rican and a member of the Puerto Rican diaspora here, the Latino diaspora, I always felt disconnected from that community, never feeling like I measured up. Um, Mm. Like my Spanish wasn't good enough. I didn't know all the stories. I hadn't read all the books. I hadn't, you know, there was something about me that was lacking. And so I didn't feel permission, I guess, or didn't give myself permission to fully exist in that community and allow that community um, to do what communities do, which makes you feel secure and safe, right? So even when I went to Puerto Rico, I didn't feel secure and safe in my identity until that night, until I realized, wait a second, this wasn't just me that felt this way. Everybody at this table had their own version. Everyone at the table began to share about how they felt the same way. And something happened to me that night. And I decided I need to, I need to let as many people know that they belong as possible and that they are not alone in these feelings of disconnection. In fact, they belong to a group of millions of people. And which is what exactly what happens when people feel like they belong. Since belonging is a feeling, it's either there or it's not. And sometimes when it's not, and then it is, immediately what that person will experience is an experience of wanting to give it away. And this is a phenomenon that happens, which is what what's so exciting about belonging is that it's not something we keep for ourselves. It's something that we want to actually make sure other people have. And so for me, my idea was I want to make a movie because to me, movies were incredible ways to translate a feeling. And um, the the only caveat was is that I had no experience making films, which is why it did take me a minute <laughs> to get myself together which was 17 years later and actually make the film. Uh, the know-how never came. However, mm-hmm. it was just the guts to, to make the film. And really my intention was to heal a generation of people like me, first gen Latinos, um, and let them know that they weren't alone. And what happened was it ended up uh, making its way all over the world, which is why seven years later, the film is only gaining in momentum and it's because it's telling a a very real story about how so many people feel uh, which is that they don't belong to the groups that they quote unquote should belong to but yet for whatever reason don't experience that yes just a little bit more about the film project um fascinated to hear more about that yeah, so the film is called Being Enya, and Enya is the, it's, it's the I spell it, it's the phonetic spelling of the extra letter in the Spanish alphabet, the N with a squiggly line on top. And um, and so I was a member, or am a member of Generation X, and Enya is its own generation. And really part of the vernacular, the, the po- most popular vernacular to refer to this generation is is just first gen. Enya refers if your parents are from a Spanish-speaking country. And what I did was I told part of my story uh, dealing with this and found some other people, one very famous gentleman who, uh, his name is Louis Guzman, and he um, is in many, many movies and uh, most recently uh, in that show Wednesday on Netflix and um, told a little bit of his story and um, and just kind of took took the viewers on a journey of meeting different people from different nationalities, all Spanish speaking uh, nationalities, basically telling the exact same story. And so it's sort of undeniable after you're done watching, it's a 37 minute film that you can watch on my website, projectenia.com or denisillercox.com for free. 
Um, and you just can't watch it and, and feel alone. It's just impossible. Too many people are saying in their own words that, that this is not an individual experience. This is an experience of a, a whole generation of people. And, and honestly, this is an experience of everyone who ever felt like they didn't belong. And so from what I understand from your own story and also the little bit you told about this, is it a case of, in this specific instance, people feeling in between, right? That they sort of left one culture and trying to assimilate into another culture and finding they've sort of not belonging to their old original culture nor to the new culture. So they're sort of getting lost in the gap, so to speak. Is that fair? I would say yes. And I don't know, I think in a, in a voiceover, I think I do say they don't feel American enough and they don't feel Latino enough. But there isn't a single person in a single interview um, that actually says those words. We mm. more, because in filmmaking, you show, you don't tell. And so um, so it is, yes, about this idea called the liminal space, which oftentimes people will say, oh my gosh, you should feel, you should feel amazing. You're both Latino and, or in my case, you're Puerto Rican and you're American or you're Colombian, you know, Colombian and you're American. Mm. You have two, uh, you have two identities and, and like this idea of two for one, you know, it's great when you're talking about tickets or, or, you know, or deals at restaurants and stuff like that. But when it comes to your identity, that space between, right? It feels, it actually feels the opposite of more. It feels mm -hmm. like stuckness and liminal spaces are like these waiting rooms. Like you can Google liminal space, like on TikTok and, and even on, on Google and, uh, and, and see these pictures of these places that are like in between spaces. And it's actually where the least amount of belonging is experienced is not quite being this and not quite being that. And because it's the space that lacks belonging. It's also the space where the most opportunity belonging exists. But we have to be very cognizant, very conscious, mm -hmm. and awake about inserting it. Tell me a little bit more about that when you talk about being conscious about how to insert it. What do you mean? Yeah. So a lot of, you know, we all kind of live our lives, you know, especially when we think about how we exist in the workplace, for example. And, you know, this is just how we do things. This is just how we communicate. This is just the culture of this place, right? Except for the fact that there's a whole bunch of people that walk into that place of, you know, that workplace feeling like they're existing in a liminal space in their ethnic identity. And so that creates something called belonging uncertainty. So they walk in immediately feeling and a, a less belonging than your average Joe, right? Than the person that doesn't have any experience of that in-between space. And so when we deal and interact with people that are experiencing belonging uncertainty with their identity, their human identity, their ethnic identity, they're there's a huge opportunity to welcome them into the workplace in ways and insert, you know, insert tactics uh, so that that person will feel like they belong. There's a huge, huge retention problem in mm. the workplace right now, especially with Latinos. And I'm going to say, especially with anyone who's collective dominant, who prioritizes family uh, first versus the individual, those are the people that aren't going to experience belonging. They're the ones that are walking into the workplace uh, with that belonging uncertainty. 
And so the ways that belonging certainty can be inserted is with loving acts or joyful acts, deliberate acts of inclusion. And so when I say conscious, I mean, instead of saying, well, this is just how we do it, you know, we say, hey, listen, you know, I want to, I want to introduce this person. I want to introduce people in this meeting in a different way. I want to validate this person in a different way. I want to, I want to do things in the workplace that actually bring more love and joy Mm -hmm. deliberately um, versus the way it's always been done, which is uh, more self-reliant dominant, which is very much all about the individual, which there's no problem with that except for that it leaves out a whole subset of people who are struggling to experience belonging, who eventually then quit and move to a place that they will experience belonging. So it's actually good for business. Absolutely. Because they can either quit or they, you know, physically, or they can quit emotionally. Yes. Yep. The whole quiet quitting thing. Totally get it. Yeah. They just check out. And then there's, you know, people think there's people believe you know, things like, um, you know, there's this, uh, this idea the gym memberships in the tech, you know, I'm thinking about the tech industry, the free food, the gym memberships, the dry cleaning. I've been to a lot of those companies and seen all of the amenities. And the thing is they're, they're the collective dominant people still leave because it's not about that at the heart of it. It's about, do I feel like I belong? Do I feel like my individual gifts and talents matter here. And that's actually a beautiful tactic in belonging is to make sure that each and every person in the workplace recognizes their own contribution, but also that that their contribution is publicly acknowledged. That's a huge miss for any company uh, not to do. Yeah, absolutely. So there's this internal element of, so, okay, so working on one's own sense of belonging and one's own acceptance of one's culture and the mix and seeing it as a thing of beauty um, rather than a, than a weight to drag around. But, but on the other hand, then there's a responsibility of others to show more love, to show more empathy, uh, more understanding. And for people who, who do have this different approach to life, not so individualistic, more collective. That Correct. Yeah. yeah. So there's, it's a two way street. Part of it's my responsibility. And part of it is there's a responsibility of the places and spaces that want to keep me around. Right. And, um, mm-hmm. and so, and so that's why I talk about this idea of magical belonging, because when both people, when I'm responsible for my own belonging, and then, you know, the places and spaces that I uh, take up space in take, and when I say me, I mean the collective me. So anyone who's listening, I'm talking to you. <laughs> So the places that you take up space, right? It's their response. When they take responsibility to like, I would say a 10 out of 10, you know, you can sort of dip your toe in the water. That's like a one out of 10 or a three out of 10. I'm talking about the places that are like, no, we're going to do it this way. We're going to do it a new way. We're shifting. We're transforming the way we interact and do business. When those two things meet, magic happens. And then it's way more than retention. It's I am never leaving. I am giving my absolute best here. I am contributing. I am innovating. I am creating. I feel safe. I mean, that's when, you know, so many more things are possible. That's when a job doesn't feel like a job. It feels like a calling. Once that happens to people, employees I'm talking about, whoo, the sky's the limit. It is. I mean, 
you know, my partner, Debbie, and, and she was talking about some research she found which showed, related to joy even, that if people feel more joyful, they're, they're approximately 20% more productive um, oh my goodness. Than those who don't. And in the sales arena, which is super important in today's economy, I think it was almost up to 40% more effective if you have joyful salespeople. And part of that is a strong sense of belonging in your own life, but also in that work community, and especially with this remote working um, culture as well. How to cultivate that sense of belonging is something really needs investing in. It won't just happen. Right. When I'm on stage, I say the first thing that we all need to know is that belonging is a feeling. And the second thing is that it's situational. So it can be the feeling can be here and the next moment gone and then back again and then gone. It's not it is absolutely not a box that you can check. And so a lot of people will call me and DEI or DEIB or all the the acronyms about diversity. Uh, they're oftentimes the the budgets that pay me to go to speak, right? Mm -hmm. And so much of that department is measurable. How diverse are we? Well, we can tell that, you know, they can, they can tell those things and they can even, belonging is even measurable to an extent, right? But you can, a company can never check off belonging and say, we're done. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's dynamic. It's alive. It's like, I always say it's like a force or a fire, that constantly you want to you want that thing to burn bright and give heat to everybody you got to keep putting the wood on the fire that's it you have to it has to be so deliberate and it yields i mean the studies are out there it it's good for business and uh, and it just takes a lot of work that's the thing it takes work that many companies are just not used to being willing to put in yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if we look at it beyond the workspace, if we look at it beyond, you know, into the broader sense of community and, you know, we know in a lot of cultures um, that it's become very individualistic and there isn't necessarily that that sense of, of community, which people I think are missing. Um, how do you think people can sort of go about trying to build that sense in their in their life outside of the work environment? How could they feel more that they belong? Yeah, well, I think that it's it's very counterintuitive is what I would say. And that is sharing your own experience authentically, authentically has got to be one of the hardest things I've ever done. When I look at the film that I made and when I hear after people watch the film, they often share the scenes they're you know they'll say oh i love that scene when you did this or that scene when mm-hmm. when you acted that way and it's never the scenes that i felt like i looked great and sounded great <laughs> it's always the ones where i'm crying or i'm upset you know or some other version of not my perception of my best self so mm-hmm. As it turns out, my my best self is when I'm the most real. And it's not when I when I show people that I'm upset, but when I speak from the heart and when I share some of the things that you know many people find hard to share off camera, let alone on camera, that's when I'm at my best. And so my speaking career has really, um, if it's taught me anything, it's that my best performances are when I'm the most real. And so incredibly uncomfortable. 
that builds community more than anything. And so beyond tactics like, hey, you know, this is how you um, do this, because frankly, looking back, if I were to say how did the community around this this work that I do, uh, I couldn't tell you. I, I often say magic um, because I just don't know. And the biggest ingredient was that I was willing to be very uncomfortable letting you slash people see the real me and really come to the conclusion that as much as I'd love to only show flawless, never gets upset, nothing terrible ever happened here. I've never also made a mistake, you know, like we're so inclined to show our shiniest self, but in reality, it's when you see the warts, um, the mistakes, the tears, the, you know, the fit, my fake eyelashes coming off. You know what I mean? Like those are the moments that builds community. Because if there's one thing that people say about me on stage that I find uh, very, very sweet is that um, people will say, I just want to be your friend. I was, I was lo- mm-hmm. listening to you and I just want to be your friend. And to me, if I, if people tell me that, that means I did a good job at letting them know I am a human being talking about something that I care deeply about. And and I'm not trying to pretend like I'm something that I'm not mm. anymore, right? Spent a lifetime pretending. <laughs> really <laughs> last... Really exhausting. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, it's so it is very exhausting. Yes. And so you know, I think it's it's great that when we look back over the last few weeks in the Year of Joy community, you know, we've covered things like authenticity. We've covered mm. things like Talfix Dresher. We've covered empathy. So all of these skills that you can then use to build this sense of belonging. So any members who are listening, you know, go back, look at some of these previous weeks and see there. How can you use some of these tools to help you express yourself more authentically and attract to you others who resonate with you? I think that's where the belonging, authentic belonging starts coming together. And you'll find some people resonate with you and become part of that community others don't and that's fine Uh, you don't need to attract everybody you don't need to try and fit in with everyone of that level yeah and as a matter of fact here's what's so bananas about that is that I say I've attracted the coolest people in the room um you know the likes attracts likes thing I don't know the people that don't like my work because they leave (laughs) (laughs) they don't stick around to meet me they don't contact me you know every once in a while I might get a weird comment on on social media or a weird email but for the most part I receive a lot of love and a lot of appreciation and a lot of people sharing their stories with me and so it's the most incredible exchange um so it's like the absolute best idea to bring your most authentic self and also the most terrifying but the best because it only will attract people that are just like you. Yeah. You know? And it's a bit of a funny thing, right? Because we're thinking, we're talking to people, you know, who are going to be coming hopefully all to this year of joy community. So they're going to de facto be in the community where they can, they can share and, and be authentic. So we can practice this for real. Right? Yes. So over the next few weeks, you know, you're going to be helping people. You're going to be guiding them on, on how to find themselves, how to go out and to, to build that sense of community. 
Yeah. Could you share with me just now sort of any sort of top tips that you would say off the bat that, hey, this is something you should really think about if you're going to try and build that sense of community? Oh, I mean, the tips are speak in a, the most heartfelt way about the things that you care about. And especially when it comes to social media, because that's our digital community, you know, platform. And even if you haven't, uh, you know, like a new YouTube channel or Instagram or TikTok, it, it doesn't matter, whatever, whatever is you feel guided to share on, um, what you want to share about are the things you care the most about. And so whether you disagree or agree, sharing in, a, in an authentic and heartfelt way about those things will pull like-minded people to you. I always say it's like a song, like um, I have a joke, like, you know how they play uh, a lot of times in supermarkets, they'll play like 80s and 90s music, which I love. And so I'm the one that's singing along and dancing with my husband and just having a good time. My kids are like, Ma, what are you doing? But I don't care. Like I, a great 80s song comes on, I'm singing it in the aisles, right? And so that's my place. I belong there in that supermarket. That's the one that plays my music. I'm going to, you know, and so if we think about music as a metaphor, your music is your opinion, your point of view. And when you share it, you, that's your radio station, right? I'm going to share this on LinkedIn or share it on Instagram or share it on TikTok. That's the station. You share it and other people, you give them a chance to hear their song or enjoy their song. And that's, your music. And so it will resonate with many, the more heartfelt it is. And that will take practice. Uh, Certainly does not, it didn't come easy to me and it continues not to come easy. It's easier. uh, But my husband's always like um, pointing out in a helpful way. My husband's an actor. And so his whole job is to find the truth about a Mm -hmm. moment. And so he's helped me a lot. And really, you know, supports when I am the most honest is oftentimes when I'm the most scared. And that's when the song resonates the most. So joke's on us, right? You have to be able to get there. <laughs> but when you do, it, it, boy, you know, people love it. They definitely do. And anybody who's looking for a new sort of training or something fun to do, I would strongly recommend improv. Theater. oh my gosh yes um, so true yes great practice I mean, really... you learn those skills um they will serve you in life for a long yeah. long time i mean like Thank literally you. it's like the cheapest uh tony robbins seminar <laughs> you know like sometimes some of these seminars are like thousands of dollars so take a few hundred dollars go take an improv class for six weeks and you will be transformed if you're yeah. able to take the heat because improv classes are personal transformation vehicles there it is not what it seems <laughs> as long as you go in with a sense of this is going to be fun i don't know these other six people here and we're just gonna strip everything down and and, and be real um yeah. it can transform you as you say so you know it's and we're going to practice these things over the coming weeks so that's going to be super fun i know we're getting to the end of our time um but one question i always like to ask our guests is what brings you joy? So I'll ask you to things. Well, I will say what brings me joy is seeing my kids be in their joy. So playing an instrument, my daughter just got a new electric guitar and I told her, 
I fully expect to be annoyed by how much you play this and how loud the house is. And we got her an amp and I'm like, crank that thing up. And she was, and she didn't understand what I said. And my, my husband had to say, no, she wants you to play a lot, you know? And so hearing her play and make music, I, music is a big theme for me, brings mm-hmm. me a lot of joy. Hearing my other daughter who takes music lessons on Zoom, actually right in this office, hearing her sing with her voice teacher brings me joy. Um, seeing the world with both of them and my husband brings me joy. Thanks for asking. It's funny, sharing about my joy connects me to my joy. It's a beautiful Absolutely. Thing. That's a wonderful thing to do. And, and so, you know, in the community, please, Denise, go and, and share in the joy chat room these things. There's a specific joy thread on music for you. Oh, so no way. Oh, I love it. Make you feel joyful. So... Go ahead and add to that and see what other people do. There's a playlist um, we got on on our YouTube channel. Oh, oh, I definitely have to check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, Denise. It's been such a pleasure and a joy to talk with you today. I hope you've enjoyed it as as much as I have. I have. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You're welcome. And I hope you, our listeners, enjoyed this podcast episode as well. And you feel inspired to go out and cultivate the, the joy superpower of belonging, both for yourself, but also for others you're interacting with who, who might not be feeling that sense and take your responsibility for helping them feel included to help them feel like they belong with us at work, whether that's in your social community, wherever it is, take a moment to try and think about the other people you're interacting with and how they're doing so if you're already a member of the year of joy community you're going to have the opportunity now over the next few weeks to go out and practice your sense of belonging growing that muscle that's going to be fun if you're not obviously you're more than welcome to sign up and joining us on this journey to build more joy in our lives thanks once again for listening and i hope you tune in for the next episode of the art and science of joy podcast until then stay well stay joyful and find your tribe